0: This is the Cater Daily Podcast for Tuesday, April 27th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. For police misconduct that violates Americans' rights, ending qualified immunity could open up challenges to those rights violations in civil court. Now, Ben Cohen, co-founder of Ben & Jerry's and co-chair of the Campaign to End Qualified Immunity, has written a book detailing stories of the injustice... That the qualified immunity doctrine visits upon Americans. The book is above the law: How Qualified Immunity Protects Violent Police. We were joined by Cato's Clark Neely and Jay Schweikert. Before we started recording, Ben, we were talking about uh, the effort to uh, help people understand what qualified immunity is, and I uh, compared it to civil forfeiture, which is the first time you explain it, people don't understand. People think that you're just making it up, and then you keep explaining it and Almost everybody says, well, that's terrible. We we should we should get rid of that. Um, and, and you take to that uh, that task or that heavy lift of education with a new book, Above the Law, How Qualified Immunity Protects Violent Police. What was the goal here?
1: The goal was just to make it really clear and easy to understand for people about how police uh, get let off the hook. For committing crimes that, if, if you or I or any regular person committed them, uh, they'd be prosecuted and they'd be sued and they, they'd be found guilty. And somehow cops just get away with it because they're cops, because what? Some judge decided that cops, otherwise known as law enforcement officers, are not really supposed to know the law unless some other cop broke the law. And was convicted of it. Right.
0: Um, uh, Jay, when when you or I are expected to understand what the law is in an area, um, what is it that ignorance is no excuse, we're told, uh, but it seems to be a pretty good one for cops.
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's a axiomatic proposition in our legal system that is a general matter. The mere fact that you don't know you're acting unlawfully Uh, isn't sufficient to excuse you from liability. And for ordinary citizens, that can actually lead to criminal prosecution uh, under strict liability statutes that no one would really have reason to think they were violating. But when it comes to police officers, it's a different standard. Um, And if you if you, you know, if you were to imagine any profession that you would expect to be held to a higher standard in this regard, you would think it would be the profession charged with knowing and enforcing the law. But in fact, law enforcement is held to a far lower standard than ordinary citizens and much lower than any other profession.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of absurd. I mean, this book has two or three pages stories for 17 people. Uh, You know, in one situation. Cops stole $200,000 in cash. There's no denying that that happened, but the judge let him off because of qualified immunity. In another situation, uh, this woman who's seven months, uh, seven months pregnant gets tased by the police, gets thrown down on the ground after a traffic stop, and uh, the cops get off.
0: Uh, one of the stories that you feature here is Robert and Adeline Hart. Uh, this is the the story that I just know as the Tea Leaves, and I know Clark and Jay. Uh, we've talked about this story before, uh, but you know, whoever wants to, I, I think the details of this are worth going through again.
3: Well, I'll tackle this one. What's what's so incredible about this story? So this is a family that lives in Kansas, the the mom and the dad are both retired CIA employees, just to add a little twist to it. And they grow hydroponic vegetables. And so they are observed by police coming out of a hydroponic store, which the police suspect is supplying people who grow marijuana at home. Now the police have got themselves in a bit of a bind here because um, April twentieth is coming up, and they've already scheduled a press conference where they're going to, you know, roll out somebody that they busted uh, for for growing marijuana. Uh, the trouble is they don't have anybody; they haven't arrested anybody for this yet, and so they've got to find somebody uh, for their for their press conference. And they do a trash pull on the Hart family, and they find some wet organic material, some wet leaves. And so when they when they put that together with the fact that they observed, I believe it was the husband and one of the kids coming out of a hydroponic store. They say, oh, these are, you know, this, this, these are our guys, you know, we're going to, so they do a, you know, they do what law enforcement euphemistically refers to as a dynamic entry, which is a SWAT entry. They put everybody down on the ground uh, and they do a field test of these, uh, you know, these leaves and and they get a, a, they get a, a positive hit. But what they, what they don't either don't realize or they don't care is that, the the field test that they used also returns a positive hit for caffeine and it turned out they were tea leaves. So long story short, um the the family is is, you know, ter- terrorized by a SWAT team. They're the there's an arrest for for you know for marijuana possession and it all falls apart when they actually finally send the the tea leaves to a, a real laboratory for testing and determine that they're not marijuana. Um, and you know of course you know what happens next, which is that you have this long protracted legal uh, dispute and the courts step in to let the police off the hook by granting qualified immunity, which is what they is basically what that has become. The judiciary's job practically is to just let rights violating police off the hook with qualified immunity, and that's why it's
1: become such a travesty. Yeah, and you've got judges that are complaining about it that are that are saying this is outrageous that I want this I want to convict this person but my hands are tied and uh d- so they're up in arms.
0: Uh yeah, one of the one of the uh ch- short these are all very brief chapters little vignettes uh, uh about qualified immunity, one of the uh, pieces that you quote here is from Justice Reeves Bumper uh, a short excerpt from an order granting qualified immunity uh, dated August 4th, 2020, uh, Justice Carlton Reeves of the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Mississippi. What did he say?
1: Uh, this was a case where uh, there was a black guy driving a Mercedes and uh, the cop says he pulled him over because he couldn't read his temporary license plate and uh The cop keeps on insisting that you've got drugs in the car and the guy says, no, I don't have drugs in the car and you're know, you not allowed to search my car. The cop keeps on saying, I want to search your car. And then the cop lies and says, I've got a report that you've got cocaine in your car. And uh, the guy keeps on insisting, no, you can't search my car. And finally he gives up and says, okay, search my car. So the, guys, <laughs> the cop searches the guy's car, doesn't find anything, and that's not good enough. He calls in a drug-sniffing dog, uh, searches his car, and you know this is not just looking around. He's, he tears the guy's car apart. It's not drivable. He doesn't find anything. And uh, so the driver of the car took the cop to court said this was this was illegal you violated my constitutional rights and uh the case again was thrown out by and and this judge who was in that case was outraged that he had to throw that case out and he wrote a decision uh talking about all the cases where cops had abused black people and what else can a judge do except make as much noise as he can
0: yeah he goes through sentence by sentence here of all of the things that uh clarence jameson was not doing wrong that wasn't he was not acting suspiciously he was not behaving in a way that should have signaled to the cops that they could treat him uh in this manner it is a really stunning uh piece of writing um you know, uh, Clark J., uh, we haven't really talked about this much, but we're recording this toward the end of April. And uh, now we have two states uh, and the city of Manhattan that have eliminated qualified immunity. What does it mean when states decide this is a no go here? And, uh, you know, how does that change the calculus uh, for the Supreme Court possibly?
2: Yeah, so starting with the states, um, you know, qualified immunity is a federal doctrine that applies to federal lawsuits. And of course, states don't have the authority to change federal law. But what states can do, and what New Mexico and Colorado have now already done, Uh, as well as the New York City Council, is enact state-level civil rights laws and specifically clarify that those civil rights laws will not allow qualified immunity as a defense. So what the states here are doing is recognizing that our federal civil rights system isn't working the way it's supposed to because of qualified immunity, and they're creating an alternative in state courts. Um, Which I think is an absolutely, you know, uh, crucial and necessary step forward here, both because, you know, unfortunately, I don't think the Supreme Court is going to be reconsidering this doctrine. uh, And I'm hopeful that we'll get a solution from Congress, but we haven't gotten one so far. Uh, So states really can play a leadership role uh, on this issue and ensuring that the rights of their citizens will be protected.
0: Uh, Clark, does it make it easier for the Supreme Court to revisit this issue if a whole slew of states have said,
2: nah, no go?
3: I'm not sure. I think. I, I think the the short answer is the Supreme Court has made fairly clear that it's not interested in taking a lead on fixing the qualified immunity problem. I think that's unfortunate because, of course, the Supreme Court created the qualified immunity problem by inventing the doctrine out of whole cloth. But the more legislative in- interest we see in addressing the situation, I think the less pressure there will be on the Supreme Court to take a lead role. Now, as we've noted, the Supreme Court will continue, probably, you know, trying to sand off some of the rough edges, uh, largely, I think, in an effort to prevent the judiciary from being embarrassed by some of the truly ridiculous cases uh, that Ben cites in his book. But in terms of of stepping up and and effecting really systemic uh, reform, I, I think that ship has sailed. And as Jay has explained in a in a very smart blog post, um, it, it's probably not a very good idea to look to the Supreme Court to save us from qualified immunity. That's going to be the job of Congress and state legislatures.
0: We have seen now uh, what has been described as justice for George Floyd. That's not a fair characterization, in my view, because George Floyd is dead. Uh, But Derek Chauvin was convicted uh, on all charges that he faced in Minnesota. And I guess the other thing that's troubling about this case, to me at least, is that this case is notable.
3: Yeah, I think there's three things that we should keep in mind about the The Derek Chauvin verdict um, when it comes to qualified immunity. Um, The first is that just because this particular police officer was convicted um, for the misconduct that he committed, the murder that he committed, no one should suppose that that this happens routinely or that police are, are reliably held accountable through the criminal justice system. It would be like looking at a plane crash and saying, oh, see, planes crash all the time. No, they don't. That just happened that one time and everybody noticed it. The second point is that not all police misconduct is a crime. And you have to have a civil rights avenue that ordinary citizens can initiate and pursue themselves so they don't have to try to rely on a prosecutor or rely on an internal affairs uh, you know, detective to initiate the process. So that's why we need a civil uh, lawsuit as an avenue. Um, and you know, the third point um, about the Derek Chauvin uh, situation is that Without qualified immunity, without citizen juries being able to send a signal to members of law enforcement um, on a on a systemic basis, police just aren't going to know what we expect of them when it comes to the use of force. So in effect, judges have have distorted the feedback that police are getting, and instead of of regular, continuous, accurate feedback that they would get through a civil damages uh, regime, police get sporadic and inaccurate feedback from a relentlessly government favoring judiciary and that has got to stop because clearly there is a disconnect between what we as the public expect from police um and what they think is expected of them that has got to change and the only thing i would add to that um is regarding
2: um the derek chauvin case is i you know i've heard some people object that well you know uh, george floyd's family you know already got like a large settlement from the city of minneapolis so obviously qualified immunity didn't prevent that from happening and while that's technically true you know this it's it's worth keeping in mind that this is the highest profile police killing in at least a decade if not ever um and so this is an extraordinary circumstance where there was extraordinary national pressure on the city uh to resolve this uh even this resolve the civil lawsuit in a way that you know would seem fair and appropriate and i I think it's good that that happened um for George floyd's family, but it is not it should not by any means be taken as something that would be typical of what happens in the aftermath of an unlawful police killing. Uh, And the unfortunate fact is that had this case not settled, even though Derek Chauvin was convicted of murder, it is entirely possible that in a civil suit, he would have been entitled to qualified immunity because it would have come down to whether there were there was a prior case in the Eighth Circuit involving sufficiently similar facts. So, you know, his George Floyd's family did get, you know, a significant settlement in this case. But we need a solution that works in the typical case where there is not a national spotlight uh,
1: on the incident. Yeah. You know, we uh, regular old people tend to think that, oh, this is just now starting. That uh and the and the only times when cops uh, are committing heinous crimes are when we are when they're caught on video camera. And the reality is that this behavior has been going on for <laughs> I don't know, hundred a hundred years. And uh we are just starting to find out about it because of Video cameras, and there's still, you know, hundreds and hundreds of cases of police acting in such an abusive way that we never hear about. And, you know, we we tend to focus on fatalities, murders, people who lose their lives. But, you know, just the everyday of cops beating someone up. uh you know abusing them uh physically verbally stealing (laughs) is a behavior that continues and is way in excess of what we ever hear about Ben Cohen is author
0: of the new book Above the Law, How Qualified Immunity Protects Violent Police. Jay Schweikert is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute and Clark Neely is vice president for criminal justice at Cato. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.